We're looking at the one another's and uh, looking at how we relate to one another, looking at how we love one another, how we spur each other on as church together. And uh, it's my privilege to do the one about teaching and admonishing. I like the first one, not sure about the second one. Uh, but uh, teach and admonish one another. And um, I've been reflecting really about who my teachers have been in my life, and there have been many. But very often, I think, we underestimate the fact that every single one of us here has something to teach and something to learn. Every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, from the newest in faith to the oldest in faith or the most mature, we have something to teach one another. And I love the fact that Paul in this one verse in Colossians talks about the fact that actually we do it, how? From the word of Christ dwelling in us that actually that's how we do it, that we bless one another, we encourage one another, we spur one another on through relationship and through the word of God dwelling in us. And in the verse, it actually says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell actually means to make home in, to live in us, not just to be a guest or a little fleeting visitor, but actually to dwell in us. The message puts it, have the run of the house. I love that. Let his word have the run of your house. Make room in our lives for it. And we can teach not only from scripture, we can teach from a whole host of experiences. In, in your life, suffering will change you. It will be your teacher. In your life, learning and reading books will teach and change you. But I would put it to you that many times change happens through relationships, through closeness and through people speaking into our lives. Uh, but what I love is the teacher's face there, the joy of passing something on and seeing someone who has nearly given up, and he had nearly given up if those of you who watched the programme, find that hope find that future if you like just because he's seen a film we can all do that can't we you know we can all read perhaps or maybe we can't but we can experience something through a film or through a conversation but we are always learning we're like sponges that actually uh, take in information every single day of our lives here are a few quotes uh, on teaching uh, before we look deeper into the text. The mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, and the great teacher inspires. And uh, certainly there we have an example of that going on, don't we? Actually inspiring. Uh, also, Joyce Myers says, and I think this is really uh, actually symptomatic of the verse, teachers can change lives with just the right mixture of chalk and challenge and I like that because when we think of teaching and admonishing there is a balance in it that is to actually spur one another on for change and finally Helen Keller who was uh, who was blind uh, said this it was my teacher's genius her quick empathy her loving tact which made the first years of my education so beautiful. It was because she seized the right moment to impart knowledge that made it so pleasant and acceptable to me. Now really that's 
last quote is about relationship. It's about wisdom and relationship and instinct. And there are many teachers here, but I would put it to us again that we are all teachers. We will teach by our lives, sometimes without even words, but we will teach one another and we will inspire one another as great teachers do. So we've got one verse this morning, and as I said, it starts with the word of Christ dwelling in us, living in us. So really the first call on every one of us here, again from the youngest to the oldest, is how are we going to get the word of Christ into us? so that we can have wisdom to make a change in us and in the person next to us and in the people in our life groups, in our community groups, in our families, in our friendship circles. Because we, in this next year in September, are having a year of change. And I put Give It a Year up here. It's a popular title for programmes at the moment, or at least two called that at the moment on television. But we're having a year of discipleship that is intentionally getting us to grow in our knowledge of Jesus and we'll share more about that in September but actually how we will do that will be through the one another's hence the preparation that we're doing over the summer but also through getting this word of God the Bible into our minds and into our hearts so that when the time comes to speak to one another to speak in love, as the Bible puts it, to teach and admonish, we will have wisdom that is way beyond our years, that is prophetic, I would dare to say, in some cases, and it certainly has been in my life. As you teach and admonish one another, well, as I said at the beginning, we might like the first one. We might think, well, yes, I, I, I like to teach. I love it when uh, I see a result. I see that light go on that we saw in the clip. I see somebody learn something for the first time. It's a beautiful thing, feeling. But what do we feel about the word admonish one another? Now, some of you might be thinking, oh, I love a good admonish me. You know, I love to, love to just have a little poke at someone and say, oh, yes, you need to change that in your life, and you certainly need to change that. And if we're honest, sometimes we do like a little bit of that, a little bit of correction for others. But actually, it must come from relationship. Relationship with the word, as we've already said, but relationship that is permissional. If I challenge you on something, or you challenge me on something, and I don't know you, then it's condemnation, isn't it, really? Because we don't have that relationship. But if I challenge you, and I have a relationship with you, and you know that I'm for you, then actually that is good challenge, hopefully, because it comes from a desire that you might grow. And when we meet together around the word, our desire is, when we come together to look at the Bible or we're in small groups together, our desire is that we would grow, isn't it? That we don't get stuck. That's one of my big fears as a Christian. I don't want to get stuck. Do you ever feel that? I want to look back on the year and think, wow, some changes have happened. I'm not there yet, but some changes have happened that have taken place that spur me on. And actually, Paul is saying this is how we do it. So what it's not, it's not criticism. There's a difference, isn't there? If, if I come up to you and I just want to criticise you, it will make you feel worse. And actually, probably after a bit of a high, it will make me feel worse. And actually, it's not talking about each other behind their backs either, because they're not going to benefit from it, because they didn't get to hear it. 
But what it is, is loving challenge. What it is, is pointing one another towards what is godly and good for us. I like that in terms of what admonishing does look like. Now, I've been admonished in my life, as you, those of you who know me, um, quite a few times, actually, in different contexts. Um, and sometimes it feels pretty good. I'll be honest with you, because I like a challenge and I want to change. But sometimes defence comes very, very quickly. And, you know, you kind of put the bat down, Judy, because I'm there and I'm smashing it back. And we will both, we'll have both those reactions. But mostly it depends on who the person is. What do they want for me? Do they want good for me? Do they want good for you? Do they want us to grow? Do they want the kingdom to come in our lives? And uh, I remember being uh, admonished by my previous pastor in Dudley, a uh, lovely man, he did it so beautifully that I remember it to this day, so gently. And what he was really saying is he said, Judy, when you're touring, there are people here who would love to pray for you, but we never have a clue where you are. We just don't know where you are from one day to the next, and people love you, and what you're doing is you're robbing them of the privilege of walking with you. And he did it in such a way that I thought, I felt good. <laughs> you know, I might have thought, oh gosh, this is a bit embarrassing. He's probably telling me off here. But actually, I went away thinking, do you know what? I owe that to those people. If they're going to pray for me, then at least I owe it to, to keep them involved in what to pray and so on. But I have also, and this is where it gets more difficult, but we're family, so I will share this. I also know that I was walking towards relationship once in my life that would have been catastrophe. There's no other way to put it. It would have been catastrophe. And two things happened on the day that I was walking towards that. One was a prayer partner out of the blue sent me a piece of scripture that absolutely floored me because she knew nothing of what I was about to do. Nothing at all. And it, it absolutely, if I'm honest, freaked me out <laughs> because I thought, is someone watching my life? Well, of course God is. But I read that, it was scripture, she didn't put anything else with it, but I thought, oh my word. And then I drove down to see somebody who has permission in my life to speak into me, and they totally admonished what I was about to do, basically saving my, my ministry, and someone else's actually. So isn't that incredible? Now, I don't share that lightly. I don't share it to be passed on. But I do share it from a place of saying, let's be that for one another. Let's protect each other because we are all so vulnerable. We are so vulnerable and we need to do that. If you think, oh, this is a little bit awkward sending this text, you know, sending this, this piece of scripture, pray to God. That's what the, the verse says, doesn't it? Actually, is it coming from a place of wisdom that is God-led? And actually take the risk. Just say, I don't know what this means. I don't need to, but actually I'd just like to send you this. And then the person can sift or reject it. And they may well reject it. That's fine but they may well have their life changed, protected, and many others as a result. I would also say, putting the boot on the other fit for a minute, um, I have admonished others. <laughs> Some of you might be here, I don't know. But I have done it, and sometimes I have known that I have done it wrongly. And the reason for that is because afterwards you get that kind of sick feeling that it felt good at the time, but afterwards you think, do you know what? I enjoyed that a bit too much. 
or it didn't really sit well with me. <coughs> but I've also done it when I have seen some, a, a light go on, a bit like in the video, and actually somebody who's had a blind spot say thank you for pointing that out. And the reality is, whether we're Christians or whether we're not even there yet, and, and one day we will be maybe, but we will have blind spots as people. We will all have blind spots and we need those that we love, those in permissional relationships, let's just stress that, to actually point those out. And who do you have in your life that will do that for you? Now, many of you will say, well, that's friends and family, that's, uh, you know, my, my life group, and that may be so. <clears throat> but I think sometimes you do need to tell them to actually say, you have permission, and it will only be a few people, we don't want a free-for-all of us all saying, oh, let's have an admonishing queue outside. We don't want that. But what we do do is we want to say, you have permission if I have got a really blind spot, it's like when you've got spinach on your teeth or your zips undone, isn't it? You want someone to tell you, and you're so grateful afterwards because you think, well, I would have been walking around like that with my label hanging out or whatever. We've all been there. And actually, we have those blind spots that we need one another. Uh, and where else can it happen? Church is family. And it can happen lovingly, and it can happen for good. Or it can go wrong, let's be honest. So we need to know what our motives are. Everyone needs a Paul to guide us, a Timothy in the Bible to help us grow, and a Barnabas to challenge us. Just look at those words there and think about who is guiding you, who is guiding your life at the moment, who is a guide who you go to for wisdom. And I know I've been with people this week who say, I've got two mentors in my life, and they guide me, they speak to me in different ways, they keep me on track. Who have we got that is actually helping us grow? Maybe your life group leader, uh, maybe somebody who you're in a triplet with, maybe someone in your community group that is just there with you to help you grow. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Years ago, we used that as a discipleship tool. We looked at that verse and we said, who is it that will be the person that sharpens you? But just think now, maybe just say a prayer of thanks or maybe a, a prayer to ask God that you will have those people that, that as I did, that have protected me and as I still do have, that, that protect me. And I love this quote from Charlie Jones. He says, five years from now, you'll be the same person you are now except for the books you read and the people you meet. Now, he's not a Christian. He, he just uh, put, well, I don't think he is anyway. He just put that as a comment. But if we include the Bible, and I think we should, in the books that we read, the books that we read, so this verse says, if you're reading the word, if we're getting that into our hearts, if we're making room for it in our lives, then actually uh, change can happen. But people will change us. There will be people, if we, if we had a free-for-all now and we talked about it, most people would remember. And many of them will be teachers, actually, who believed in us when no one else did. I would certainly say that's true for me. Who saw something in us uh, and said, let's work with that. It can be beautiful. Let's help it. Let's refine it. And if you are a teacher, thank you literally for all the times that you do that in any capacity, whether it's here in church, whether it's uh, further afield. But we all have that gift and that joy of doing that. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 10 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man or woman who falls and has no one to help him up. 
relationship will help us not fall or will help us when we do fall to get up again. The reason that this is a one another, I think, is because it is done together. And also at the end of the verse, Paul says, out of that, sing spiritual songs. And I got a bit confused when I was looking at the verse and I thought, well, that's a bit random coming in here. Why is that coming at the end of this? But I've been reading commentaries on it and you probably think, oh, Judy, I've known this for years, but this is new to me, that when we sing on a Sunday, why coming together like this is so important, we are not just singing to God, we're singing to one another. And I haven't clocked that before, I really enjoyed it this morning, thinking actually we're singing this to one another, we're spurring each other along, we're, we're teaching one another. Because as we sing scripture, I've done this before, not knowingly, you think of that person who so needs that this morning, and you sing a little bit louder for them. That we're worshipping God in spirit, but we're also doing it praying uh, for that truth to be over one another. And as we look at the the end of the the Educating Yorkshire episode, you'll see just the reciprocal, passed-on joy of one changed life. Because that's why we're here, isn't it? We want to change our own lives and we want to change lives of people around us. And as Steve prayed earlier on, so strongly and passionately and beautifully, we want to see change in our world, in our city. We want that revival. We've sung about it. Do we believe it's going to happen? It will happen as we teach, as we encourage, as we direct one another in love. Because we want people to hear God. We want people to find a voice. We want, if you like, he has the headphones on, he hears music that helps him to speak. And we have a word of God that can dwell in us so richly that it can help us to speak, can help us to hear right and speak right. And my heart, as I've prepared for this talk and as I've looked at my own life, is to make sure I always have those people to my left and to my right, those Timothys, those Barnabases, who I'm inputting into, but are actually teaching and admonishing me. And uh, shall we pray together? Let's, let's stand, actually, if you will. And I'd love, before Paula and the, and the band and, and Michelle come up, I'd love to pray for us.